Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. Here on a football Friday, broadcasting live from River City Roll. And one of the owners just stopped by and told me the commanders are winning easy this Sunday against the Giants. So if you want to chime in, give me your reason why and keys to victory. It's 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. We take your phone calls here on the Richmond Commander. It's time for the Richmond Commander. Are you ready for some- The phones are open. It's your chance to be the quarterback of this segment. There's something I like to say. Every day at 1 p.m. on AWOD Radio, the Richmond Commander. All right, before we get to my our keys to victory here, let me just say this. Stubb, this is it. This is the last game that I will say is a must-win for the Commanders. If they lose to the Giants, fire everybody, all right, don't bring anyone back. Fire the entire squad, uh, all the coaching staff, and let's just move on for next season. Now, if they get a win Sunday against the Giants, of course, I'm going to be praying that we win on Thanksgiving against the Cowboys. And then all of a sudden, we're 6-6 six and six again with a chance to get into the postseason. So it starts Sunday. They have to get a win against the Giants, who are going to be starting Tommy DeVito. It feels like everybody is a stand-up comedian now, uh, Stubb. They're all doing Danny DeVito jokes <laughs> or some New Yorker joke about Tommy DeVito. Valdez thinks he's not going to throw an interception. I do think the Giants' game plan is going to be pound Saquon Barkley over and over and over again and test this commander's defensive line both running it in the inside or running it around the outside. And that's where I've noticed we've struggled a ton this season is when a running back gets around our edge rushers, they almost always get seven or eight yards a carry. When they go up the middle, sometimes we stop them behind the line of scrimmage thanks to Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen. So I'm looking for more from Casey Tuhill, James Smith-Williams, F.A. Obata, and the rest of the edge defenders for the Washington Commanders. So it's Commanders-Giants from FedEx Field. Sunday, 1 p.m., the Giants are 2-8, and 1-5 and five away from home, and the Commanders not very good at FedEx Field, 1-3 and three at home this season as they're 4-6 and six on the season. But the one bright spot is slinging Sammy Howell has been incredible. 2,783 yards, 17 touchdowns, just to nine interceptions. The issue this season was the sacks. He was taking way too many of them. It started week one with a sack fumble against the Cardinals, and then there was a point this year where he was averaging seven sacks a game. Well, over the last three weeks, he's calmed down a little bit. They made a change at center, replacing Nick Gates, and that's helped the offensive line protect Sam Howe. But I think it's been the game plan that's changed, right? Sam Howell is no longer doing seven-step uh, drops. He's getting rid of it with the quickness. It's a lot of, hey, hike it, throw it, hike it, throw it. Hit your back foot, find Terry McLaurin. Hit your back foot, find Brian Robinson out of the backfield. And it's the quick throws that have kept Sam Howell from getting dirty and being sacked left and right every single game. So let's get to my keys to victory for the Commanders against the Giants. Look, this is a home game. There's going to be a decent crowd there that I believe will be supporting the Commanders. Uh, I don't know any Giants fans that are going crazy to travel from New York to Washington to watch their 2-8 and eight team try to get their third win of the season. So it should be a pro burgundy and gold crowd, which tells me key number one is get off to a fast start. 
right? Let's play with a lead on Sunday. First drive of the game, I want to see the Commanders put seven points on the board. I want to see our defense get after Tommy DeVito and make him uncomfortable. Force Saquon Barkley to beat you with the rushing attack. They should not be able to throw for more than 200 yards on the game as DeVito did nothing last game for their Giants and their loss to the Cowboys as the Cowboys did the exact same game plan as I'm talking about. They scored uh, seven in the first quarter, 21 at half, and all of a sudden it was 28 nothing, and they cruised to victory 49-17. to DeVito didn't even throw for 100 yards on the game. 14 of 27, two touchdowns and an interception. So key number one, get off to a fast start. Key number two, I do think if Washington's going to win this game, they can't just throw, 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 throw the ball 50 times because Wink Martindale is such a good defensive coordinator with the designs that he calls for these blitzes. We're going to have to beat the blitzes with either screen passes, draw plays, or, or just handing it off. So key number two is Brian Robinson Jr. and Antonio Gibson to combine for 100 yards rushing. If we get those two keys, I feel good about our chances here. But key number three, look, you're going against a rookie quarterback who just threw for 87 yards the game before. How are you going to win this game? you got to force a turnover, right? And we haven't done that so many times this year in terms of interceptions. We've got our hands on the ball and dropped it, or we've made a play on the pass and gotten a deflection but haven't come away with the interception. This is the game that we get not just one, but two interceptions. That is my third key to victory here for Washington. Two interceptions on the game. If all those three things happen, I like the commander's chances. But like I said earlier, I think we really need to blow the Giants out and save some of these guys. Because before you know it, it's going to be Thanksgiving. And we're going to be facing off against a tough Dallas Cowboys team on the road. You, you know, it, that is a very difficult matchup. As much as I want to hate on the Cowboys, this is a solid Cowboys team that as long as they don't shoot themselves in the foot with Dak Prescott making mistakes, they've been winning games. And in fact, they've won three of their last four. They only lost to the Philadelphia Eagles, who are one of the best teams in football. And I believe Dallas is going to blow past the Carolina Panthers, even though it's in the on the road in Carolina this weekend. So you're going to have a Cowboys team that's coming off of a victory, hopefully a Commanders team that's coming after a victory. It could come down to who's healthier, who's more fired up to play on Thanksgiving. Are these guys thinking about, oh, I miss my families? Or are they thinking, hey, we can get to 6-6 six and six and have a chance for a playoff spot here? But it all starts this Sunday against the Giants. You cannot afford to have any more slip-ups if you're a Commanders fan. They have got to take care of business against New York on Sunday. And I think it's got to be one of those games where they start fast. I, I really am going to be worried if we're looking at like a 10-7 game at halftime or 7-6 or 3-3 or something like that because the Giants know how to play against Washington. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. They've been able to get under our skin defensively thanks to Wink Martindale. Brian Dabble has a really good record in his few seasons in charge of New York against Washington. So it, it's not going to be a walk in the park unless Washington comes out and goes up 14-0 and then just blitzes them and gets the ball back. So it's all about getting a hot start, being able to run the ball, especially in the second half, to control time of possession and get your defense some more chances to rest. And then the third thing, I want to see some turnovers. I want two interceptions of Tommy DeVito. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 
105.1 FM. Phone lines are open if you want to chime in. It's 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. The Junks had fun with a topic that Philadelphia sports radio host put out earlier this week, which was top 10 Philadelphia sports athletes. And Philly sports are so good right now with baseball, basketball, and football that they had an awesome top 10. And all the guys on the top 10 were recognizable. Well, when the Junkies went through their list and they were mentioning like Denny Avdia, Josiah Gray, I mean, I'm like, who? Who? So I'm going to go through my list of the top 10 most recognizable DC athletes when we return. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. You're listening to AWOD on the fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open. If you want to chime in, it's 833-804-0910, 833-804-0910. You can always tweet me throughout the show, at 910thefan or at AWOD Radio. If it's a good tweet, we will read it on air. Matt tweets me, Washington wins easily because our offense is truly finally starting to gel. When we played the Giants last time, it was still earlier in the year, and it was still a feel-out process. It showed with up-and-down performances. It's different now. We can win this game 24 to 10 or even 31 to 10. So Matt's confident in the Commanders against the New York Giants this Sunday. You can chime in 8338040910. I'll give my official score prediction for the Commanders on the final segment of the show at 2:45. We'll drive down University Drive, talking college football at 2.30. All the football programs in the state of Virginia, including the Hokies, who can be bowl eligible with a win on Saturday. Our buddy Pat from Sons of Saturday Virginia Tech will join the show at 2.30. We'll go around local high school sports here with the high school football playoffs in Richmond. Continuing tonight with Coach Gary Criswell, you can hear the high school football broadcast game of the week right here on 910 The Fan alongside Gary Hess, the voice of high school football in Richmond for 30 years. We still got AWOD certified game of the week and Robbie Robinson, the play-by-play voice of the VCU Rams, will join me in about 15 minutes. But right now I wanted to go through the topic that the junkies had fun with earlier this week, but I'm changing it a little bit for AWOD Radio. Phone lines are open. You can chime in right now. Who do you think are the 10 most recognizable D.C. athletes? Who are the 10 most recognizable D.C. athletes? Not just like the most talented, not the guys that have the best you know, record or anything like that. If you were walking down the street, would you recognize them? Who are the 10 most recognizable D.C. athletes? All right, I'm going to go with number 10. Francis Tiafo. All right. Look, a lot of people heard about him last year with his fun run to the semifinals of the U.S. Open. Uh, this past year at the U.S. Open, he made it to the quarterfinals. And anytime he's on TV, they always talk about how he's from Sierra Leone, but his dad had a job as a janitor at a tennis facility in the DMV. He's DC born and bred, and he loves DC sports. He always, you know, does his pregame for tennis matches in like a Wizards Bradley Beal jersey or something like that. So he's DC through and through, and I do think most people from the DMV would recognize Francis Tiafo if he was walking in the street. Number nine, I'm going to go with a commander, all right, and that is Brian Robinson Jr. Obviously, he was really recognizable last year, right before the season started, when there was all these stories about 
him getting car-checked and shot twice in the leg. And because of that, he's got the nickname Bulletproof B-Rob. Brian Robinson Jr. was spectacular last week for the Commanders. Catching the ball, he had that one long 56-yard catch and run. Another 30-yard catch and run in the second half. He's really coming into his form. There was a great article by Ben Standig earlier this week about Brian Robinson saying, I can do everything that you need a running back to do. I can run the ball. I can catch the ball. You can use me on third and short, and you can use me out of the backfield as well. I do think people would recognize Brian Robinson Jr. Number eight, I'm going to go with the lead wide receiver for the Commanders. Now, look, you're going to notice there's a lot of Commanders on this list, and that's because D.C. is a football town. It always has been, and we haven't even had a winner in basically 30 years, right? I was born in 1992. That was the year of the last Super Bowl, and I think most people would agree that you recognize Commanders players, even like former guys like Robert Griffin and, uh, you know, Brian Arakbo and Ryan Kerrigan. People recognize these guys because everyone watches them play on Sunday. So number eight, I'm going to go with the star-wide receiver, the man with the bag, Terry McLaurin. Obviously, last year he had three games where he had a 50-50 ball that he caught for a touchdown that won the Commanders a game with Taylor Heineke just throwing up YOLO balls. I do think Terry McLaurin has to be one of the top 10 most recognizable D.C. athletes. Number seven, sticking with the Washington Commanders. You hear him every Monday at 9 a.m. on the Sports Junkies. That's Jonathan Allen. And I just think he's so recognizable because he's a grizzly bear, right? He is giant. He's a massive human being. Stubb, if you were walking down the street, doesn't matter if he had a mask on his face, you'd still say, oh, that guy probably plays football. He's probably a member of the Redskins. So that's why I put Jonathan Allen as number seven on the top ten most recognizable D.C. athletes. If you want to chime in, it's 833 or you can tweet me at AWOD Radio to give us your thoughts on the top 10 most recognizable D.C. athletes. Number six, I'm going to go with Washington Wizards small forward Kyle Kuzma. Stub, look at a photo of Kyle Kuzma. I'm sure you've seen him before. He's dyed his hair blonde. He's the guy that dresses up in these crazy outfits pregame. He had the one that went viral where he was wearing a pink long-sleeve sweatshirt that was 20 times too big for his arms and it was like you couldn't even see his hands he looked like a cartoon character I'm looking at He's it dating right now. a famous model you know he is very recognizable he might not be a great basketball player he might be a little selfish and part of a wizards team that will struggle to win 20 games this year but i do think most people will recognize kyle kuzma what do you think of the photos uh, this sweater picture is fantastic. I'm looking at I know. it. It's, <laughs> this is, <laughs> that this photo is itself is why he's so recognizable. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, now we get to the top five. The top five is going to include a lot of people that are champions, and that's where we start with number five. That's TJ Oshie, who rose to fame before he played for the Capitals when he represented America in the Olympics and had an incredible uh, goal in the shootout to win for America, and then he came to Washington and continue to win, winning the Stanley Cup. He did the TJ Oshie, has his own thing now, where you, you put your shirt over your head and you chug a beer. If he's not recognizable for that, he should also be recognizable uh, for the fact that he's just got this awesome family. His his wife is like an influencer, and uh, she is super on Instagram, got millions of followers. Her kids, their kids are so cute. They're always coming to Caps games, and I just think – if you're including a list of the most recognizable D.C. athletes, most people would put T.J. Oshie on there. He's got the nickname Captain America. How could you not put him on the list? Number four, I'm going back to the Commanders, and that's their quarterback, 
right? I think even if it was John Beck, even if it was Rex Grossman, whoever's the quarterback for the football team of the nation's capital has to be included on your list of top 10 most recognizable D.C. athletes. So number four is Sam Howell. I, I love him because he kind of looks goofy. I keep saying it. I think he looks like a UNC frat bro, but right now he's throwing for more than 300 yards a game and leading the NFL in passing yards it has been fun to watch him this season and I hope he's our franchise quarterback moving forward and eventually could be into the top two of top 10 most recognizable DC athletes number three I'm gonna go with Logan Thomas all right you might remember him from his time at Virginia Tech playing quarterback. That's why I'm putting him on the list of top 10 most recognizable D.C. athletes. And then, of course, now he's the tight end for your commanders. He's a guy that's out and about in the community doing a lot of work there. And I always, I've seen him when I was back in D.C. at bars all the time in Arlington, bringing all his boys, and everybody would go up to him and say hi, and he was super nice and shaking hands with people. So I absolutely think you have to have Logan Thomas on this list. Number two. Going back to the Stanley Cup champions, the Washington Capitals, Tom Wilson, right? I mean, he was voted one of the sexiest mans in D.C. You see him out and about. He's like the the enforcer for the Capitals, not afraid to get into a fight. You also might recognize him because he's been suspended more than almost anybody on the Caps. Tom Wilson, number two. And number one, it's the easiest one, right? It's not Robert Griffin III anymore. You know, there's no Gilbert Arenas. The baseball team doesn't have Strasburg or Soto or Trey Turner or Bryce Harper. So we got to go back to the Capitals. The most recognizable athlete in D.C. is Alexander Ovechkin. And a quick story here. The year that the Caps won the Stanley Cup, I was doing my podcast, Play to Win, and it was the game three of the series against Columbus and Ovechkin was walking to the stadium, and I was driving with my three friends from our podcast, and we were talking about what what we were going to discuss. I wasn't paying attention. I was a terrible driver, and I came within three feet of running over Alex Ovechkin. I had to slam on my brake stub. It was so embarrassing. And we're like, what is this guy? And he was walking around like he was Bigfoot. He was just he was wearing a suit and he did not flinch at all. I'm not joking. The car came within like three feet of him and Ovechkin wearing headphones didn't even flinch, didn't even turn to his right, just kept walking across the street. And you know what? He didn't even have the, the right of way. He was just walking. <laughs> it was a red light. But that's who Alex, Alex Ovechkin is in D.C. So that's my list of the top ten most recognizable D.C. athletes. If you want to give us your thoughts, you can tweet us at AWOD Radio or call in 833-804-0910. Tomorrow is a game day for VCU, and you can hear it right here on 910 The Fan with Robbie Robinson. He joins me next, live from River City Roll. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. We were just talking about the 10 most recognizable D.C. athletes. If you want to chime in, 833-804-0910, or you can call in and talk VCU basketball. As I'm joined right now by the play-by-play voice of the Rams via Rams Unlimited, Robbie Robinson. What's going on, Robbie? Adam, it is good to be here at River. What is – I'm sorry, and I should know this. So you just are hanging – like, because this, this is your neighborhood, right? This yeah, is your, I could have walked here. <laughs> yeah, so do you just come and, like – because they're not – they don't serve lunch on Fridays. Right. They'll be bumping later tonight, obviously, but yeah. they, they kind of want you here to set the pace for the weekend, like yep. spend your day here, come watch games tonight, watch games all weekend. That's kind of your – that's the reason to do the live remote right now. Yeah, and shout out the bands that they have on Friday. On Saturday, I know it's What's My Age Again, okay. which does like Blink-182, Sum oh, 41. Really? I've really? seen them oh, cool. a lot. They're they're a lot of fun. 
And yeah, I mean, this is the place to be on the weekends. And so they're doing a football deal. Anytime there's a college football or NFL game on, you can get ten dollar pitcher or twenty dollar ten dollar pitcher pitcher and pizza for twenty bucks. <laughs> so ten dollar pitcher that's like that's like old nineteen ninety seven prices when I was right. in college. We went. <laughs> there's a bunch of dads and I, and I'm a dad. Uh, I'm probably old enough almost to be your dad, Adam. And like, <laughs> and we it was after a little league board meeting, and we went to a restaurant in the fan. And it was like six of us, and we all got these pitchers <laughs> of like decent beer. Like it was like you know, I don't know what it was. It was like Amstel or something. It was decent beer, and they brought the check, and it was like 180 bucks for like six pitchers. We we're like, whoa! When did pitchers become 19 dollars? Last time we ordered a pitcher, it was like eight bucks at the Biltmore, and obviously that the inflation has hit pitchers as well. But ten dollar pitchers is that's compelling. I, I'm sure our your listeners could tie it into a couple of those. Yeah. So I, I need to let the audience know you you. Were we're enjoying the ten most recognizable yeah. players, and you oh, said I wouldn't recognize Ovechkin. I no. So this is so Adam goes number one, Alex Ovechkin, and I looked at him. and I said, like I follow sports, like I know who he is, but if he walked into River City Roll right now and wasn't wearing an Alex Ovechkin jersey, I I would not know who he was, and I would go as far to say because I, you know, your listeners are probably wide variety of ages and I know you probably love to skew younger but because of the medium it's probably a little bit older we all grew up listening to sports radio I would love to know from your listeners if they would and this is taking nothing away from your list because I think is I think you almost have to say him but I'd love to know from your listeners if Alex Ovechkin knocked on your door (laughs) this afternoon and was like, "Hello, I'm Al- uh, hello, I'm Alex." And y- y- if you would know who he was, well, he couldn't speak because I think that would give it away. For sure, a lot yeah. Of if you're like, if I'm like, "Hey, you know, hey, dude, <laughs> dude, hey, go look at your door. Who's at your front?" If I sent Alex Ovechkin <laughs> to your house and said, "Hey, go g- go to this guy's house and knock on the door," if you knew who Alex Ovechkin was, and I would bet, Adam, and I could be in the minority here. I guarantee, if you're over a certain age, you would have no idea who he was. <laughs> and I was saying that I think you agree, like. I think because now I know who Wayne Gretzky is, I know who Yarmir Yager is, I know who Mario Lemieux is. All those guys, I could, even Bobby Orr, or um, yeah, I mean, all those guys I could recognize. I think it's the lack of Sports Illustrated in our lives. Yeah. You lose that Thursday coming home, going to your mailbox, seeing who was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, whether it's Wayne Gretzky and and Magic Johnson. I mean, this is these are thirty to forty year old references I'm giving you here, <laughs> or Yarmir Yager on the cover, or a big expose on on whoever. Um, you know, Hull, I think it's because we guys my age, we don't have that big glossy picture anymore. I'd love to know that. Mine for the most recognizable DC athlete, I mean, maybe I was going to say Bradley Beal. He didn't play for the no. – you know, who's their best player? It's Kyle Kuzma now. There's no way. Kyle, I mean, there's no way I would know. Kyle Kuzma <laughs> could mow my yard this afternoon, and I would not know who Kyle Kuzma is. I Do you would, know anyone on the Nationals? No, and I'm a huge baseball guy. <laughs> now, my son would be like, hey, Dad, Sonny Gray's at the front yard. Right. I think he's selling cookies. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, okay. Um, would I know any nationals? I wouldn't know any nationals, right? I don't think so. I would probably say Sam Howell. And after that. And that's kind of embarrassing because he's only been the guy here for like six months. You're right. No, you're exactly right. But he's got the beard. And like I followed him a little bit when he was at North Carolina because he's in the ACC. That's, yeah. that's honestly, I mean, my list is probably like Sam Howell and... I don't know. That's it. So I put Jonathan Allen on my list at number seven. He's the D tackle, just okay. because he's such a big human being. That's fair. You, you'd you'd have to know he plays sports. You, like yeah. So like highly recognizable because he played sports. 
It's hard. If you're in D.C. these days, I mean, there's no one that's coming to the top. No. I mean, a couple years ago, you could have had a Bra- – I would probably know who Bradley Beal was. I think that guy's Bradley Beal or even a John Wall or a Przingis. I think I would know Przingis. But, and, of course, when the Nationals were winning, like, oh, yeah, that's Ryan Zimmerman. That's Steven Strasburg. That's Max Scherzer. I mean, those, are, those would be layups. But now, gosh, what a dearth of recognizable people. <laughs> what about here in Richmond? Res- recognizable. Do you Richmond think Ryan people? Odom's recognizable yet? That's a good question. I I think it's a 50-50 call. As of, I mean, he's only three games in. Yeah. So that's a good one. The Richmond, I think Ryan Odom to some people would be, but I would say by and large probably not. Yeah. I would probably say at this point the most recognizable sports figure in Richmond would be the top two would be Parney. <laughs> he's not even on the team, though, and I he love even Parney. Play. He doesn't even play. <laughs> but you're think, so right. Everybody knows who he is. And I think probably Chris Mooney. Yeah. Yeah. Because Chris has been here and has had, you know, Chris has been on that sideline for a long time. I think Ed McLaughlin would be that too because our athletic director is because he's been in the, the news a lot with the with the Diamond Project. And obviously he just hired Ryan Odom. He had to hire Will Wade. He had to hire Mike Rhodes. Um, I think Rhodes would have been, Rhodes probably would have been tops on that list prior to him exiting to Pennsylvania. Um, you think if Tony Bennett walked into River City role, people yeah. would know I mean, exactly who he is? So that's a good – yes. I think Tony Bennett would probably – I mean, of all of them, probably most recognizable. And I think that's fair because there's a lot of Virginia Cavalier fans here, yeah. more so than Brent Pry. Right. Or Tony Elliott. I mean, they'd have no – Yeah, who, who, exactly. I I agree. I think I think Tony Bennett would probably be number one. I mean, you know, within the, within the central Virginia area – uh, I think he would probably be number one. Then I think a Parney and then a Chris Mooney. And then probably a, by the end, I'll say this, by the end of the year, I think everyone will know who Ryan Odom is. I think. And and I think Ryan will tell you. I mean, Coach Odom will tell you. He'll go to restaurants and he'll be recognized now. Yeah. I think it's mainly by VCU people. Once right. you, you My know, friend saw him at curbside. Yeah. And they, they, I mean, he was just shaking hands and everyone He's loved great. him. Yeah. He's fantastic. The, the question is, like, I mean, you look across here at the Starbucks and there's that woman who's handing that person a latte right now from the <laughs> drive-thru. Like, when does she recognize right. who Ryan Odom is if he rolls through there and grabs, a, you know, a venti or something? And I think that's it, – yeah, it's, it's a little bit – we're a little thin, like slim pickings in the recognizable category. I do think by the end of the year, everybody will recognize Zeb Jackson. Yeah. Oh, I think so too. For a wide variety of reasons, he's one of the captains. He's the point guard, the leader. Yeah, he's the ball's in his hands a lot. Zeb's going to play thirty to thirty-five minutes per game, and he's got such this engaging personality that that he will he will be someone that are. I mean, he's got this year another year left of eligibility, which I think is great. So we'll have him for three years, last year, this year, and next year. And he's so compelling as a person. I think our fans, he's going to fall in that mode that our fans love because of his game. And I think, you know, Zeb's still trying to figure out exactly – he's trying to figure out exactly who he is as a player, yeah. I think, in this new role. Last year was easy. Like, you come in, defend your brains out, which everybody did, and you can slash and get to the goal and, you know, make some buckets that way. Well, he's now, like you said, has to be a leader. His assist, Mark, he's averaging six, seven assists a game. Right, and Man. I think that's tough for him because he wants to be a scorer. Yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's got a naturally jump a, shot. Naturally he can jump out of the gym. He's still working on his three-point shot. Yeah. I, I think it's – I don't. I'll, I'll be interested to see how that evolves throughout the season. Is he a thirty-six percent three-point shooter? If that's the case, we'll be in business. If he's he is he a thirty-three? If that's the case, that's good. Is he under thirty? Because you know he just he just can't find that rhythm quite yet. That'll be something I think he'll 
evolve into or get away from. He didn't shoot. He shot 12 against uh, McNeese. Mm -hmm. And since then, he's been on single-figure shooting three-pointers. I think he realized that maybe that's not his best way to contribute to the offense. Right. I mean, the offense, I think, is at their best when he gets into the paint. Yeah. and can either finish it himself by jumping over defenders or find Kwani Kwani or Rose mm. or Furman. We're hanging out at River City Roll with Robbie Robinson. You can hear him on the play-by-play for the game tomorrow against Seattle. Give us a little preview. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> well, they're the Red Hawks, okay. and they're in a city called Seattle. <laughs> And they are not in the West Coast Conference. I think they're in the WAC. Is that what it is? I had, I had to look it up. I couldn't. I, I You've didn't probably done a little bit more homework than I have. I usually, <laughs> I usually do. Like my 16-year-old son and his AP biology, I usually do all my prep the night before, <laughs> or the morning before, or sometimes, <laughs> sometimes it's 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 a little less prep. Um, I. Yes, I, they they want to get into the West Coast Conference. They are a team that has been talked about being into the West. And the West Coast Conference is your St. Mary's, your Gonzaga's. Yeah. So that's who they want to go. Coach Odom will tell you that last year they were phenomenal uh, early in the season. They were undefeated. They went to Utah State, and Utah State beat the brakes off of them. Like they, <laughs> they, they, they like swaggered into Utah State, and they were undefeated. And, and Shulga and Barristow and the Ashworth guy, they beat the out of them, and it really tucked their Seahawk feathers, I guess, back and went to the Pacific Northwest. Um, I think that they've got um, they've got three returning starters that are all that, are, that can score a little bit. I think they probably won't quite be as talented as Radford was, at least on paper, um, and not maybe a little bit better than Samford. I mean, Radford was pretty talented with their three guards. Yeah. We just played really well. Uh, it'll it'll be a similar game, I think. Honestly, we've seen I mean, we've seen three different games from the Rams. We've seen game one against McNeese where we just didn't play well. Just did not. I think we were learning what we had to do to win a college basketball game. Samford was something similar, but we figured it out and then played well in the second half. And then Radford for 33 minutes, we were really, really good. Um, my sense is how we play will dictate the type of game tomorrow. Like, I could sit here and try to break down Seattle for you, uh, Adam, but who cares? Like... It, if we, we play, have to play our we have to, yeah. I mean, if we play like we did against McNeese State, we're going to lose to a team called Seattle that isn't the Supersonics. You know, like Tom Chambers is not walking through that door. That's <laughs> reference you probably don't know, Adam, and that's totally okay. Uh, some of your guys do. Uh, if we play okay, then I think we grind out a win maybe like we did against Sanford. If we play at the level we did on whenever we played that game against Radford Wednesday, uh, I think I think we, we have a convincing victory. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM, broadcasting live from River City Roll, and this is the place to be on the weekends here in Scott's edition. You've got live music, football on TV, bowling for everyone, a chef-inspired menu with has incredible pizza and some really great beer. And joining us live from River City Roll on the fan is Robbie Robinson. You can hear him on the play-by-play tomorrow for VCU against Seattle. Um, thoughts on the first three games, Robbie? Oh, I mean, talk about a wave of emotions if you're a Ram fan. First of all, let's all I'll say this blanket statement. It's fine. Like it's it's everything is just we're 
all in good shape. Like losing that first game to McNeese State was a little shock to the system. It's just not something the Ram fans are used to doing is losing the first game. I think most schools across the country that are of the success that VCU has endured, they schedule a really easy opponent in that first game and you beat them to death and you're off and running. And then who knows what happens later. You know, the lack of competition may catch up with you later, but it sure didn't catch up with you that night. And McNeese was really good. And we were not collectively, I think, in a place where we knew how hard we had to play to win and McNeese did and so so yeah that was and that was tough too because of everything swirling around you have a new coach you have a bunch of new players like you know Mike Rhodes and all of our guys all of our coaches Will and Shaka they all lost games they shouldn't have lost all of them Will lost to Fordham up there one year you know Shaka lost some games as well that he shouldn't have lost um but you know, we also had a lot of history knowing that they could win. And we know, I mean, gosh, Adam, we know how good of a coach Adam, I mean, uh, Ryan Odom is. Um, but, you know, we had we get to really see it in person. So you yeah. lose that first game. It's like, oh, gosh, are we really that, you know, in transition? What's going on? And then the next game started very similarly. We weren't doing a whole lot offensively. You're sitting there. You saw it. Defensively, we weren't great. And then all of a sudden, we found a new gear against Samford. And for the last 35 minutes of that game, we were really good. You know, Radford got off to a little shaky start. And our fans are going to find the things they want to complain about, and they'll complain about that. But, boy, the last 33 minutes of that game, we were, we were good. We win a lot of games with the way we played. So I think, we, I think we, are, we are evolving. I think we're evolving quickly. And I think the thing, too, Adam, and I know you've talked about this on your show because I listened to you, but it, it bears repeating. Not having Sean Barristow oh, yeah. is enormous. It's enormous. And I know the the casual Ram fan or the, the fan that loves going to games might not, you know, might not follow it closely. I am telling you, when he broke his foot in mid-October, that would be the same thing as if we got the, if we got the news that Ace Baldwin had broken his foot last year. Like, oh, I mean, I, he is that good of a player. He makes everybody better. He can shoot. He can shoot teams out of zones. He's good defensively. He can handle the basketball. Coach Odom said on numerous occasions, on and off the air to me, Sean's going to handle the ball a lot for us when he gets back. And I think, and the and one thing that Coach Odom does extremely well is he doesn't he doesn't cry woe is me mm-hmm. like he just doesn't. You listen to him. He does. He is a very pragmatic coach, and I I've enjoyed listening to him. He's like, we lost Sean. We got to get the next guy up, and we got to do this. And it's not there's no excuses with him and his staff. Uh, but I would tell you that when when Barristow went down with a foot injury, that was that was a it was a sizable torpedo to what they thought they would want to accomplish and, and, and how hard it was going to be, if that makes sense. So yeah. first three games of the season, we're 2-1. and one. We, we we continue to hopefully pick up some momentum and play in a huge tournament next week, which you'll be at. Exciting. Down in Orlando. That would yeah. be great. I'm Coming so up, fired up You for should that. be. So you'll do the pregame with us courtside and that whole thing, right? I mean, yeah. you'll be, oh, that's phenomenal. That's yeah. great. Um, and that's a big-time tournament with a bunch of really good teams. And as you saw last night, uh, the A-10 had a f- sensational night. Oklahoma State lost to St. Bonaventure, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, LSU lost to Dayton and Charleston. And then they got one more. St. Louis beat Wyoming. Wyoming. Think, yeah. yeah, so another you know relatively decent school. We weren't winning those games last year. When I say we, the conference, yeah. we weren't winning those games. So the Rams are going to have to keep up their end of the bargain and go down to Orlando. And I think all of us now that are, I mean, these next two weeks, Adam, are huge for the league because we're going to have a lot of these multi-team events like we're going to these tournaments where we'll play some Power 5 schools that don't normally schedule us. So to win, that's the resume right now for a league is being built in these next two, two and a half weeks. 
I love that breakdown. I'll tell you, my biggest X factor for the Rams, like you said, they're not going to be at full strength till Sean Barristow comes back. But right. if Kwani Kwani can figure <laughs> things out, because he's still in the starting lineup and he yeah. hasn't really produced much, but, man, he's so tall and, and he can help with rebounding and he can hit the open shot. You know, I think if he gets going, watch out. I agree. And I think Coach Odom basically said that in our post-game interview. He said he's good. He's just got He's like any athlete, you're going to go through a little slump, and uh, and he could be going through one right now. And the the question for Kwani is how quickly can you break out of that slump? Yeah, and I agree. Like I think he is. That's a good X factor, I believe, because he he can shoot teams out of zone. Once he hits a couple threes, all of a sudden they can't double team Max Shulga. Right. They can't double team Zeb Jackson because you can fire to the wing and have Kwani knock one down. And I think similar too with Fats. I mean, Fats is, could fill that role as a perimeter guy that can hit threes. That's I think that's one thing Coach Odom. Because we, we shored up the turnovers the other night. We only turned it over, I think, ten times against Radford, and five of those were in, like, the first five or six minutes. Right. Uh, right. And I am telling you, Ram fans, Coach Odom, it is a point of emphasis to grab rebounds and hold the basketball, <laughs> not let it get taken out of your hands. Like, you have to believe me when I tell you they talk about that and talk about it and talk about that, much like I talk about with my son. You have to study to get good <laughs> grades, and yet somehow, you know, struggling on that. So uh, so it's it's like anything, but I – um. I think that shooting the threes is what the next step for this team to find themselves at that, like, you know, they don't have to shoot 40% from the three-point line out, and they just don't. But if they could be in that middle to mid 30%, it'll make a huge difference. That's Robbie Robinson, play-by-play voice of VCU basketball. He's called baseball games. He's called college football. He's called women's basketball at UVA, called a race, volleyball, high school baseball, high school football, soccer on the radio, and more, and you're going to do one more right now. I got one more. Uh, We've one got a more. new rule got? on 910 The Fan. Okay. On Fridays, yes. we roll. Yeah. We roll. So yes. uh, they've been nice enough to set me up here. Okay. So I'm going to put my headset down. And, I, and you're going to take – I take over and I'm doing the play-by-play. Is exactly what's happening? All right. Let's go. So we're here. I have to be quiet. Is it a quiet – it's kind of like a golf situation. I've watched bowling before and, like, they're quiet. So we're here on lane number one at River City Roll. Adam Epstein – with his size 13 and a half shoes, airing it down. This is frame number six. Epstein, the big breath, bends his knees three times. Here it goes. He rolls in. Oh, he's a spinner, is Epstein, and he knocks three pins down. He's got three down, so Epstein, who is currently at a 70, has four pins. I missed that back pin, so he knocks the four uh, with the six, eight, nine. So Adam, to pick up the spare now, has got to hit. Six pins, the majority of the left side. He's got to hit every pin between here and the boulevard is what Adam has to do. We'll get the left hand. He's left-handed too, folks. Don't know if you knew that or not. The southpaw from Northern Virginia, Awad. The bull. Looks good. Oh, he picks up the spare! Awad picks up the spare! Bullseye right down the middle! And Awad goes with the six-pin spare to get himself out of the sixth frame. How about that? Adam Epstein. Wow. That was just fun to watch. He he wants to do one more. All right. So we're going to go to the second frame with Adam Epstein coming off the spare. He's feeling hot, does Epstein. Did you know the mark that determines the beginning of the lane is called the foul line? So Epstein at the foul line here at River City Roll. Two big steps and the roll. That looks good. Epstein. Oh, not bad. He gets, is that eight or nine? 
Hits the right side of the front pin, nine. And so now you're one away from picking up your second consecutive. No, your two out of three would be because you spared number four, which I'm sure was glorious radio when you took off the headset and did that. So nine pins in already, number seven. Adam's at an 89 right now after seven, pin, after seven frames. Six and a half frames. Quiet. Just lower the crown. At the foul line, the southpaw from Nova to pick up the spare. Eureka! He hits the spare. Back-to-back spares for Awad. And the Sports Radio 9-10 bowling thematic. Well done. Get yourself up there. How about that? Wow. Back-to-back spares. I might have to have you here every Friday. I will come here every Last Friday, Friday, I couldn't break 100. I was so bad. I had lifted the night before. Oh, yeah. Hey, that's a nice flex. There you go. Good for you. Good for you. All right, Once you a month, I lift, you know. Yeah, there you go. Right. So, do you, like, lifted a burrito? Or, like, like, like when you lifted things, like, real actual, like, barbells? Is that what? Okay, yeah. That, that, and that screwed up. That screwed up your uh, your game. Yeah. yeah understood. Yeah. Well, you're, at a, you're, gonna, you're like, at a 99 right now. You're looking great. Yeah, looking great. Break, what's the most you've ever, what's the highest you've ever bowled? Like, 160, maybe. Yeah, that's about what I was. I got yeah. into, like, a... You know, like a um, Will Ferrell in old school, like uh, when he was doing the debates against James Carville. I got into like one of those roles at one time. I just couldn't <laughs> miss. It was like, whoa, what happened? <laughs> it pulled a 160. Well, that was awesome. Great play-by-play. You now you what? can add that to your list. And I didn't even make it up. <laughs> didn't even make it up. That truly is what happened. That's the beauty of radio. Our yeah. fans will never know. For all you know, they threw a couple gutter balls. <laughs> Happy to do it. Well, thank you so much for stopping by. Anytime. This is great. I hope they have a good weekend here. Obviously, $10 pitchers should bring. I mean, if you're a dad and you're like 48, that's like really kicking it back into your college days is $10 pitchers. Yeah, it's awesome. Thanks so much, Robbie. All right, Adam. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM.